We at V2V Community Church believe in the authority of the Word of God. We teach and expound from the scriptures which forms the foundation of our faith. We pray that this message blesses you. myself to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, come, take control. I surrender myself, spirit, soul, and body to you. Use me for your glory. Speak through me to speak to these people, to bring them to another level. Father, we vow tonight to give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say, please be seated. And do you have a Bible with you? Can I see your Bible? I'm actually shocked how many Christians come to church without a Bible. Um, that needs to change to leather bound, that one, paperback. You're married man now, you must get a leather Bible. The Bible says when I was a little boy, I used to walk with a knife. Now I've become a big man, I walk with a wife. You need leather bound Bible because you've got to fight for your family now. Can I see your Bibles? Hold it up, let me see. Some empty patches there. Okay, good Bibles, good. We must all have a Bible, amen. Okay, I want you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. I want to talk to you tonight about learning to trust the word. How many would say you trust the word? Really, you trust the word. So whatever the word says, you have no problem obeying the word. Are you here? Whatever the word says, you have no problem. See, this is what the unsaved person or the, what we call the carnal man or the carnal woman, that's the person who lives in the, in the flesh. <clears throat> we want to see it work before we believe it. That's called doubt and unbelief. With God, we, we do it, we believe it, we do it, then we get the revelation of it. How many understood what it was to be born again before you said the prayer, salvation? You had no clue what it was to be born again. It's when you prayed that prayer, all of a sudden you began to grow and the word became so real that now no one could talk you out of that. It works the same way in every area of our Christian life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Um, now, what does that think? Let's break that down. What does it mean for me to trust God with all of my heart? That means all of me trust God no matter what the circumstances look like. And how many have had trials? Sometimes you didn't think you were going to make it out. You ever had those? And you haven't had it yet? Don't worry, it's coming your way. <clears throat> but we have had... You go through things and you wonder, God, will I ever make this out? And you could tell by your behavior, a lot of people when they go, when they go through stuff, one of the first things that gets cut is God. Church, we stop coming to church. Um, someone told me one time they've been going through stuff for like three, three months or something and they haven't been in church because they're going through stuff. Well, if you're going through stuff, where should you be? Because what, what does church do for you? It builds you up, encourages you, right? And I said to him, well, how much did you miss? How much work did you miss? None. So you're going through stuff, but the only thing that gets impacted is your relationship with God and your church attendance. How many of when we go through stuff, we should be more drawn closer to God? Because the answer is not away from God. The answer is in God. <clears throat> so when he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, 
Stop leaning to your own understanding. Stop trying to figure it out. This is why intellectual people struggle more than the, un the uneducated. The uneducated takes God at his word because they don't know any better. But when you're intellectual, you start trying to figure God out in your head. You cannot figure God out, no matter how intelligent you are. Number one, God's a spirit. You cannot figure God in the natural. And to know God comes by revelation. So do you trust God with all your heart? How many are going through something now? How many are going through something? You're either going through, you're about to go through, or you just come out. Which one are you? Are you, do you, are you going through? How many are you going through? Have you noticed that sometimes when you go through, you stop reading your Bible? Yeah, yeah, come on, tell me. <clears throat> do you go to bed at night worrying? You lay in your bed, when I say worry, you may not understand worry, but when you're meditating on what you're going through, you're worrying about it. You're not sitting there going, I'm worrying, I'm worrying, I'm worrying. You're, you're running through your mind constantly to the point that you can't sleep because the thing is becoming so big in your life. And as, as you meditate on the problems, that's why the Bible says you should meditate on the word day and night, the word. <clears throat> as you begin to meditate on the word, God gets bigger in your, in your thinking and the problem gets smaller. When you meditate on the problem, the problem gets bigger and your, the reality of God gets smaller. So trusting God with all your heart means, and you read again in, in um, Matthew 6, when it says, take no thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. I mean, God is already in tomorrow. And when we talk about trusting God, if I'm trusting God, I should have a worry. Now, it doesn't mean I stop doing. It doesn't mean I sit back and do nothing. Uh, waiting on the Lord doesn't mean sitting down doing nothing. It means being active, but trusting God that God will come through for me. Are you here? So if you, are you still trusting God with all your heart? That means when you go to bed at night, there's no worry, you're no stress, you're relaxed, and you enjoy your sleep. Despite what you're facing, despite what you owe, despite what the creditors are saying, despite what your boss is saying, despite the rejections in life, whatever you're facing, I can sleep tonight because I understand worry does not solve my problems. God is the one that solves my problems. So when we talk about trust in the Lord, how many know in the beginning was the word, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word is God, right? Who's the word? God, right? So I want to talk to you about learning to trust the word. Because when you trust the word, you're trusting God. So when we look now at some scriptures, um, let me give you a foundation. Um, turn with me to Numbers 23 verse 19. It would be really good for you to memorize these scriptures. And Numbers 23 verse 19 says that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man he should repent. Hath he not said it, shall he not do it? If God said it, it's going to be done. Say it with me, God is not a man without reading your Bible. Say it with me, look at me. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said it, shall he not do it? Say it again with passion. Some of you are Chinese, remember my, my, my granddaughter. <clears throat> now, when you know the word, these are scriptures I'm giving you a foundation. You need to put these scriptures into your heart because when you go through trials, these are the kind of scriptures you bring back at the devil. These are scriptures. Have you spoken to your circumstances? What do you say to your circumstances? <coughs> you preach the word. 
When Jesus was in, in with the temptation, when Satan says to him, challenge his identity, he says to him, command this stone that it be made bread. Jesus said what? Was he hungry? <clears throat> Did he mention he's hungry? He said, it is what's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word proceeds out of the mouth of God. There is power in the word. Then Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish that which I sent it to do. Say it with me. So shall my word be. Turn there, Isaiah 55, 11. <clears throat> Say it with me. Well, wait for everyone else. You're quick on the picture of Scripture. You won't say nothing a minute ago. Wait for everyone. On three, let's say it together. On three. One, two, three. Different translations. So what does that mean? <clears throat> You've got to memorize this one as well. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me empty of void, but shall accomplish that which I sent it to do, or prosper it where I sent it. Now, what does that mean? That means that God's word never fails. So God's not a man he should lie. You must know it's impossible for God to lie. If he said it, then you must know God will do it. <clears throat> Our problem is, the, the, is figuring out God's timing. We know God will do it, but many of us faint because the timing is not aligned to our thinking. <clears throat> God is the creator of time. Time is not in him. He is, he is time. God doesn't work to time. Time works to him. And if you understand this, the promises of God are... Yes. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so when you're believing God for something or you're going through a trial, he says, Having, whatever trial you're going through, he already knew that some of it will be tough. So he tells us, he tells us, when, when, when you've done all to stand, stand. That not means stand here doing nothing. I'm standing in my stance of trusting God. I don't see the answer. I can't see the answer. It looks helpless. It looks hopeless. But I do know there's a God in heaven who cannot lie. I know his promises. Again, amen. I know that it's impossible for him to lie. I know his word shall not, shall not fall to the ground. It shall prosper. It shall accomplish that which is sent it to. When's the last time you sent the word? In your prayer life, do you not send the word? We pray all the time. We send healing to that person in the hospital. We send healing to that person. We send deliverance to that person. Okay? <clears throat> Hebrews 6.18 tells us it's two mutable things, and it's halfway down. It says, it is impossible for God to lie. Say that with me. It is impossible for God to lie. And Psalms 119 verse 89 says this. Forever his word is settled in heaven. In other words, he's not going to change it. You know, I see a lot of people now who are trying to make the word fit their life. God's word is forever settled. No matter how you twist it, whatever generation you feel you're in, whatever you think this world, this times you're in, God doesn't change his word because of fashion or because of generational changes, right now they want to bring all these different things in. How many know in God's eye, sin is still sin? It's still sin. Regardless of what the government says, regardless of what the schools say, regardless of what the politicians say, God's word still stands for eternity. It is forever settled in heaven. And if you realize that, God's word never changes. Can you say amen? 
And the last one for your foundation is Second uh, Timothy chapter three sixteen, which you all know. <clears throat> Say it with me, all scripture. You know the word scripture. All scripture. Finish the sentence. Thank you. All scripture is given by inspiration. The Holy Spirit spoke inspired men and they wrote the scriptures. <clears throat> I see a lot of people saying, yeah, but man wrote the Bible. Man did this to the Bible. Let me tell you, there's a lot of things in this country. No matter what we do, we can't change it as much as we try. There's certain laws, rules in this country, in other countries. You know, you go to the passport office and you can fake a passport. How many of they catch you? You could, you could do all sorts of things and try and buck the rules, buck the law, change the law, but you can't do it. Why would we actually believe that men can change the Bible? They may try and write another version, Jehovah Witnesses, they've written another version, but you, it stands up against the Bible, it shows up as total error. God's word is forever settled in heaven. All scripture is God-breathed, given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, people say, why did God do this? So, someone asked me this week, someone in his workplace says, if God is so loving and God is so uh, kind, why did he order people to be murdered? I said, God never ordered anyone to be murdered. He judged them. In war, how many know in war, even in war, if there's war and you go to war, you're going to kill people. Even as a Christian. Christians, coward Christians, would say, I can't go to war because I'm a Christian. I can't kill anybody. They'll kill you. How many know in the Old Testament, there's wars where they're trying to take over Jerusalem? But who was behind those people? It was demonic forces trying to take over God's children. And many times God will judge people. I mean, you know, there's people being judged today. And people died in war through judgment. Herod in the book of Acts, when all the, they, they were saying how great he was, he didn't give God the glory and he died. So when, when you see people die, you, you don't know what they've done. And yes, God has allowed people to die, but he's a good God. As simple as that. He's a good God. Goodness, amen. Now, let's get into the word now. In, <clears throat> do you trust the word? Let me give an example. Turn me Matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14. And remember, this has never been seen or done before. I, I think others have tried it. I saw a pastor in Nigeria that went to try this. <clears throat> he wanted to walk on water. <clears throat> so he got out in a boat. His congregation is on the shore. He stepped out of the boat and drowned. What does the scripture say? Do not tempt the Lord your God. And just because you see someone else doing it, you have to learn this is you must live your life in your lane. You cannot live your life according to anyone else. Now, here's something that's never been seen before, never done before. In Matthew 14, 22, it says, And straight away, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when, he'd, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. <clears throat> but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves. Say tossed with the waves. So before anything else happened, the sea was rough. 
And for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, in the night, <clears throat> Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. What would your reaction be if you were out in the dark on the ocean and saw someone walking on the water? Come on, coming from where we come from, what would our reaction be? We would be every rowing competition in the world, right, to get away. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, <clears throat> they, were they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit. What would you say in Nigeria? What would you call that? No, Sonia, that's not, that's not, that's not Nigeria. Nigeria is juju, right? Oh, uh, what would Ghana be? It's the same thing. Now, Jamaica would be Duppy, right? Same thing in St. Vincent. <clears throat> now, it says, they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straight away, Jesus spoke unto them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Every time we go through something, if you listen to the Spirit of God, you'll hear that same word, do not be afraid. Whatever you're facing today, <clears throat> the thing is, you must get rid of your fear. Because <clears throat> at the end of the day, God has got you. Can you say amen? He said, and Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come unto you on the water. Simple as that. <clears throat> Lord, remember the surroundings. The storm is raging. It's late at night. Peter said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come. Reality check. How many of us in this room would have done that? How many would have got out of the boat? Watch this. Jesus' response was, come. That's all he said. He didn't say, come, I'll hold you up. Come, I've got you. All he said is, come. And this is the difference between the person who knows how to trust God and the person who does not know who God is. Peter walked on water. Some of you may feel like you're walking on water in your life right now. Your circumstances are contrary to everything you could see around you. Have you ever been in a place where it looks helpless and hopeless? Where you can't see past today? And you wake up in the morning with dread in your heart because you realize it wasn't a dream? Life is still going on today. Have you ever been in that place? Jesus said to him, come. <clears throat> now, let's look at trying to get out the boat. The boat is rough. There's water everywhere. They says the sea was raging. Imagine the action. I tried to, like my wife just says, create the image. <clears throat> Here we are all in a boat. How would you go about getting out the boat to get onto water that is rough? How would you go? You're going to get out. And you've got to put some place, here's a step, some place I've got to step into nothing. Because, how many know, have you tried it in your bath? And when you put your foot down, how many know there's nothing solid there to hold you? That's what we call faith. Because you come out the boat, you've left the solidness of a boat. On one word, Come. And many times we say things and we don't understand what we're saying. Lord, if it be you, bid me come. How is that going to happen? And you, somewhere he's going to step out and let go of what he's holding on to. Because God will not share the glory with pieces of wood. At some point, you've got to let go 
of what you're comfortable holding on to and completely trust God. I say this to you tonight. Whatever you're going through, you have to learn to let go of your own thinking, of your own strength, and somewhere you step out in faith and just say, God, I trust you. I don't understand it, but I trust you. And every time, when Peter did that, <clears throat> at the beginning, there had to be a time when he had to let go of the boat. I'll guarantee you, at that moment he let go of the boat, there was a solid water underneath his feet. And he began to walk toward Jesus. Now, imagine this. Everything that was there was already there before he got out of the boat. The storm was there. Everything was there. <clears throat> and this is what we do. For a moment, we leave the church today. We're full of faith because faith comes by. And we go out there into the world. Nothing has changed before you came in. And we go out there. We're full of faith. And we're walking. And all of a sudden, we look away from God. And we see the circumstances. How many know circumstances are subject to change? How quick? How, how quick? That quick. Our circumstances could change. One day you're here. The next day you're just completely changed, turned around. At that point, when Peter began to walk on the water towards Jesus, it says when he looked at the circumstances, he began to sink. If you are looking at your circumstances rather than the bigness and the goodness of God, how many get letters come through your post? Brown letters. You know those brown letters. You hate those brown letters. Very rarely. The other day, I, there's a letter came to our house to me from the Inland Revenue. <clears throat> I looked at it. I said, Danny, this is money. She says, how do you know that? I says, I know money. Can you see it? The letter is sealed. I said, oh, I said feel it. Can you feel the money? She goes, no. She says, tell me, how do you know it's money? I said, open it. She opened it as a check, a, re a refund from the Inland Revenue. How many of God bless them on those occasions? <laughs> when they give you money, God bless you. God bless you. <clears throat> but the, the majority of brown envelopes are bad news. So when we open it, it's the, there's a purpose behind all of this. It's a very drab color envelope. And how many know, sometimes those things are sent it's not that you don't owe money, but when it's sent, it can empty your faith bank immediately. Because you look at it, you, ain't, you already ain't got enough to pay the first one, now the second one comes. We've got to get to the place where we say, God, I trust you. Peter began to look at what was around him, and he began to sink. It wasn't just sinking in the water, he was losing focus of who Jesus was. And immediately he cried out, Jesus reached out. That's how close Jesus is to whatever you're going through. Just reach his hand out and lift him back up again. Whatever you're facing, you've got to learn to trust the word. What does the word say about your circumstance? Think about it. <clears throat> With what we've done over the years, <clears throat> we'll find the scriptures that relate to what we're going through. There's, there's so many scriptures you could stand on that you need to speak the scriptures over your circumstances. My wife used to preach this. We'd go out evangelizing all the time. And she'd always write this. How, how what's it in, in um, Romans? How, how beautiful are the feet that carry good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How beautiful are the feet that carry. And she, she put there that she will get shoes. Because how many know shoes make your feet beautiful? And over the years, she got so many different shoes. But you find scriptures whenever, whatever you're going through, find scriptures. We had a house that was um, in South North Hill. And we lost the house. And, you know, you've got to keep a vision before you. We lost the house. They repossessed the house. We left early in the morning. It was a horrible experience. 
<clears throat> but the next week, they gave us the dirtiest council flat, I think, in the whole of the, the borough. And the next Saturday, we, were, we had a little car. We were out looking for properties. Could we afford it? No. Could we afford the door handle? No. Could we afford the letterbox? No. Could we afford a window? No. We couldn't afford it. But what we're doing is keeping the vision before us. And we'll go every, every Saturday was a day out. We'd be looking at houses, looking at houses. And you know what? As we kept looking, our faith began to grow. I think it was about two years we looked for houses. We couldn't find one. We, you know, all of a sudden, we stayed in Milton Keynes. I got up. I said to her, this is where God wants us to live. The first house we went to, we bought it. In that time, we recovered, but our faith had began to grow. You've got to keep your focus on God. Keep the vision before you. If you don't have that vision before you, whatever you're going through right now, we would go and look at uh, houses, and we, we, all the time we look at houses, view them, and as far as the people are concerned, we're genuine buyers. We are. We just didn't have the money. But we kept looking and kept looking and looking, and eventually we bought a really nice house. What is, what's your vision while you're going through because if all you could see is the problem, guess what? You're always going to be down. You've got to look above the circumstances and look beyond where you are today and see there is a better day ahead of you. If Peter had kept his head up and kept his eyes on Jesus, stay connected to Jesus, his, he would never begin to sink. Can you say amen? So, <clears throat> do you trust the word? Do you trust the word? Okay. Everything you're going through, show me, how many is going through something again? Show me your hand. If I said to you now, what scriptures are you standing on? You should have something to stand on. <clears throat> when we left out the Pentecostal church and they persecuted us, I mean, they really persecuted us, I had uh, Micah 7 8, rejoice not against me, my enemies. Though I fall, I shall arise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be my light. Whatever you're going through, rejoice not against my own enemies. Though I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in the darkness, the Lord shall be my light. Over and over and over and over until you actually believe it. So whatever you're going through today, can you tell me what scripture you have you're standing on? Because the word is full of promises, right? It's full of promises. And all the promises of God are yes and amen. So we can take those promises, believe that word, and live, stand on that word that whatever it is, we're going to come out of this okay. Can you say amen? On one word, but it says, verse 30 says, But when Peter was come down out the, the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. <coughs> when, excuse me. When he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. And caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? And I'm asking you tonight, same question, why are you doubting God? How many times has God delivered you? And it's funny, it, we can get delivered a thousand times, but every time we struggle again, how will God do this? It is not us to figure how he'll do it. We just know God will do it. We know that God will do it, right? We just trust him. And we're not fearful, we're not panicking, we know that God will do it for us every time. When we're in the school, I remember the Sunday, <clears throat> I woke up that Sunday, I said, this is the last time, I and I told the church, if those of you at the school remember, I said, I'm giving notice today. We had nowhere to go. And the school had blocked off all the Sundays for us, that means 
that after that conversation I had with them, <clears throat> they stopped blocking off the Sundays for us. So as we got closer, it means we have nowhere to go. Serious, right? As we got closer to the Sundays, we got closer, closer, closer. There's nowhere to go. I didn't know what God was going to do. I didn't, he never told me. I didn't see anything. I just said, we're going to step out and trust God. And we gave notice and they wanted to stay. I said, no, we're leaving. And the next same week, same week, an agent called us and showed us this building. Same week. Now, I, I would say, I wonder if I'd never stepped out, what would happen? Would we be here today <coughs> or would we still be there? And some of us, <coughs> we need to learn to do something to demonstrate that we trust God. We need to do something <coughs> to demonstrate that we trust God. For us, it was stepping out and giving notice and having nowhere to go. That's serious with the amount of people here that we're going to move out with nowhere to go. Where would we have gone? How many of could have gone the other way? Where we had no Sundays left and all of us huddle up outside the gates. But you have to do something. <coughs> Faith without corresponding action is dead. <coughs> You're not hoping. You're standing in faith, trusting God. Can you say amen? Go to James chapter, chapter 1. From verse 22 says, Be ye doers of the word, James 1.22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. This is the problem with a lot of the Christians today. We hear the word, but we don't do it. How many do what you hear? Simple question, right? Is that complicated? How many of us do what we hear? For instance, <clears throat> when we were growing up, we would take, I don't know what you all do with the podcast, but we would take the cassettes, drive to Bath, get the kind of Copeland, Josephville, whatever, get the cassettes, and then we would transfer it onto a TDK cassette because it was stronger. And we'd listen to that. Over, and we kept the original as masters. And we'd listen to the message, not for a week, over and over and over and over. We, we weren't listening to a message. We were listening to a subject. So one of the subjects was love. And we listened to that. Uh, it's called Walking the Love Walk. And we began to do that, and we listened over and over and over and over until, and when you start doing anything, I promise you, there's, there's a devil going to try and stop you. And the first time I'd done that, I was on a train, and a guy, a Christian, came up on the tube and kicked me in my leg. That's a whole other story. But that was to bring me back to my hatred. That's to bring me back to my anger. And I walked away from it. I didn't do it. Thank God for wives that pray for you all night because after I walk away, the devil now come and torment me. Look how you let him do that to you. Look how you let him. And we're in the same church. And you have to get to the place where you are so desperate for God that most Christians today, you sit in church one time, hear the word, and you think that's it. You think you're good. <clears throat> but, you know, like memorize. How many ever memorize scripture? When you first memorize it, it takes a week. Yes? Because after two days, if I say to you, Isaiah 41.10, you say, uh, you quote a little bit of it, 
Fear thou not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed. Uh, uh, fear thou not, for I'm with you. Uh, and you forget it. But when you get down from your head into your spirit, years go by and you still got it. Fear, fear thou not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm with God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you. I'll right my righteousness. That thing gets into your heart. And most of us never let it go past our head. And you can't retain the word of God in your head. It's the spirit man where the word goes. And once we get that word down on the inside, the word becomes a reality to you. Because how many know when you go through trials, what's in you is what's going to come out of you? And how many know when you're out there witnessing the people, the Holy Spirit will use what you have on the inside? If you have no word content, it's very limited what he can do with you. <clears throat> when you go into a debate with people, if you don't put the word in you, David says, thy word... Now, when he says that your word have I hid in my heart that I not sin against you, you know, it's not one scripture he put in. It's not one temptation he faced. Do you get it? It's not, well, um, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's it. I'm going to keep that word in my heart. You have to put a lot of word in you. How many of your temptations are huge? How many of your, your eyes get tempted and you sin? What scripture would you use for that? I said, no, wicked or evil things before my eyes. So the temptations are all over us. I let no evil proceed from my mouth. So when you put the word in, because when you go through stuff, it's the word that comes up. So you've got to learn to trust the word and put the word in when, now when you don't think you really need it. So memorize scripture. I, this is a generation that don't memorize scripture. I've never seen it before. This is a generation that don't want to read. This is a generation that want to play their phone. <coughs> I mean, you know, you've got to learn to read. Have you, have you bought the book Pilgrim's Progress? Have you read it? The, I'm talking to all of us, not the front row. Yeah, several times. Pilgrim's Progress. That's a book you could use if there was no Bible. It's such a good book. Especially, I like the bit where they go through different circumstances and people trying to pull them back. They go through vanity fear, which is where we live today. Vanity fear. Get the book, Pilgrim's Progress. Read that book. You've got to be a reader. You can't just come to church, sit there with a Bible and a notepad. You've got to, and one message a week or two messages a week. You've got to get into the Word for yourself. You've got to read books. And, uh, you know, the books you can read. If you want to, I'll help you and tell you what books you can read. Because the new books are not, I wouldn't recommend a lot of the new books. But there's uh, books that from the, our generation that's still available that will change your life. But you've got to get passionate for the word. You've got to learn, when you put the word in, when the word comes up, you learn to trust the word. Are you here? You trust the word. So when God says, do this, you don't have to ask why. We never ask why. We just do it. Because many times when we got saved, a lot of things we did is afterwards we found in the scripture. We've never tried to understand the word before we did the word. That's called doubt. We did the word, and then we understood the word. We, under, we got a revelation what the word was. So, are you going to memorize some scripture? Yes. What are you going to memorize? Start with one at a time. <coughs> Do one a week. One scripture a week. Don't seem like a lot. But you know, how many weeks in a year? One scripture a week. How many weeks is in a year? So, in the, by the end of this year you should have at least 48 scriptures that you didn't know before. Now, add that to another year and another year. Are you, you get me? 
And when the Bible says study to show yourself approved, it's to get revelation of the word. It's not to educate your head. Study to show yourself approved. When you look at, let me tell you, your head knowledge of the Bible, your head knowledge of God is not going to help you in times of trouble. When you learn to trust the word, you get a revelation of the word. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word is God. When you get a revelation of the Word, you get a revelation of God. So whatever I'm going through today, I can stand because I have a revelation that God has got me. I can stand on the Word. Amen. Sarah, Sarah came to me. <clears throat> Kayla was born on the 3rd of uh, February, which was Sunday. Sunday gone was her birthday. Remember, we came to the birthday. Now, Sarah and I, when she says she's expectant, I said, well, uh, Kayla's going to be born, uh, Ezra's going to be born the same day as Kayla. Um, so they're both my children, both same birthdays. So then she, Saturday she came to me and said, Dad, I'm asking you please to release that date. Would you, would you release the date? I said, but Sarah, it's, it's my grandson. Uh, that's the date. I know he's going to be born tomorrow. <clears throat> she said, Dad, I'm please asking you, please release that date because I want you to pray and agree with me that it will not be Sunday, but it will be Monday so Jason could be there. I think she told a few people, Jason will be at the birthing on Monday. <clears throat> now, the, the pains began on Sunday, but it held off until Monday, 4.30 in the morning it began. Jason, her husband, got off a plane from Australia, 5.30 in the morning, went straight to Watford Hospital and was there with her to help with the baby being birthed. You couldn't plan that. You couldn't plan that. If, no matter how much money you got, you could not time it to come all the way from Australia, land on time, go to the hospital on time. She trusted the word. The promises of God are... Amen. Amen. So... I'm telling you, if you stand on the word, see, she, she uses the word a lot, Sarah. She really does trust God. And simple things like that, how many know your faith goes to another level? <coughs> so despite that, he's still born, you still have two birthdays, one after the next. So watch this, he says this, where was I? But you, be you doers of the word and not hearers only. If you hear the word only and don't do it, the Bible says you deceive yourself. A lot of deceived Christians. Jesus says, these people draw nigh to me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. If you learn to trust God, whatever you hear, just do it. When you hear someone says forgive, you don't have to feel like forgiving. Forgiveness is not a feeling or an emotion. It's an act of your free will. I can forgive you based on whatever you've done to me, not because of what you, what you do or don't do, because you don't have to tell me sorry for me to forgive you. Many of us are waiting to hear someone say, I'm so sorry, <coughs> I hurt you, but you don't have to hear that because I can't afford the unforgiveness in my heart. Because if I died with that in my heart, I'm, I'm done for. Because you can't get to heaven with unforgiveness in your heart. So when you hear something like that, forgive, you forgive. Instantly, you forgive. And you know how you do it? You begin to pray for them. Ask God to bless them. Ask God to prosper them. Ask God to give them peace. Ask God to give them joy. And your flesh will want to fight you, but it's nothing to do with the flesh. Just do the word. And I mean, when you do the word, you begin to grow. You will not grow unless you're a doer of the word. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. 
For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, in a mirror. For behold himself and goes his way, straight away forget what manner of man he was. When you, he says, what, what he's saying is when you're hearing the word and not a doer, you're like someone looking in the mirror, walking away and forgetting what you look like. And it's the same thing. You, you hear the word, you look in the mirror of the word. Right now, you all have the mirror in front of you, right? You got the mirror. You got the word in front of you. You look in the mirror and you walk out of here and you forget everything you heard. Everything you heard, you've forgotten it. And I, you come back on Sunday, I say, what was preached on Wednesday? Um, 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 flick, flick, flick for notes. Because it never got in your heart. The message tonight is, or any time, is not meant to be just for Sunday. We're supposed to take it, listen to the goes from the head into the heart. And when you go through stuff, these are the things you have in your heart that will come up against what you're going through. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. For behold, <coughs> for be, he beholdeth himself and goes his way. Straight away he forget what, a man, what manner of man he was. But whosoever look into the perfect law of liberty... And continue therein, and not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but, de but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in the affliction. Do you do that? Am I by myself? I think my microphone's gone, Dennis. Can you all hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. On the stream, live stream, can you hear me? <clears throat> Have you visited the homeless or the orphan or the widows lately? They have, we have widows in this church. Did you know that? I said we have widows in this church. Did you know that? Who is, name me one widow. Don't whisper. Shout the name. Who? Why are you all whispering at me? Sarah King is a widow. She's got two boys. When was the last time you blessed one of those boys? When was the last time you blessed her? Adelaide is a widow. You see her? Is she here tonight? She's always here. You're a widow too? Well, see, there's another widow there. We have widows in here. What are we supposed to do? Take care of the widows. How do you take care of widows? You visit them. How many know when you visit someone's house, you don't take two long hands? My wife does this every time. Before we go to anyone's house, she'll pull over somewhere in a supermarket, somewhere. she buy flowers, buy food, buy drinks. I always take something with her to the house. But we got to get, before we get to the buying stuff, We've got to overcome and start the visiting. How many of you were a widow, you'd like someone to come visit you? Hmm? How many of you know sometimes you're sitting at home lonely, no food or not what you would like, and your children, many times the children grow up, they've gone, and if you've never lost a, a spouse, I thank God I haven't, but I'm watching my mother-in-law, and she's just isolated herself because her husband's gone. They, they grew up as children, opposite neighbors. <clears throat> grew up as children into the 80s, and all of a sudden, he's gone. That's got to be an impact. 
went to school together, did everything together, married young, have children, and all of a sudden one goes, how many of that leaves an impact? True religion undefiled is to take care of the widows and the orphans. Trust the word, right? Now, flip over the next page with me to James chapter, chapter 2. <coughs> We're out of time already, my gosh. Are you there? Say amen. Verse 19 says, Thou believest there is one God that doest well, the devil also believes and trembles. <coughs> How many of you believing alone won't help you? How many believers? We believers, right? Are we all believers? How many of believing alone will not achieve anything in my life? How many believe there's a God? How many believe there's a devil? How many believe there's a hell? How many believe there's a heaven? You believe it. So if you believe without action, you're, there's no faith in it. So he says, the devil believes. How many of the devil definitely believes in God? He knows there's a God. He knows God is real. <clears throat> Many of us, we, we believe, but we don't actually do anything with it. It says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead or corresponding action? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Since thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture says, the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Abraham believed God and is imputed him for righteousness, and he was called <clears throat> the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified <clears throat> and not by faith only. <clears throat> Likewise was also Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body is without, the spirit is dead. <clears throat> so faith without corresponding action is dead. In the book of 1 Kings 17, we see where Elijah, God sent verse 17, <clears throat> where God sent Elijah to a widow's house. And when he got to the widow's house, <clears throat> he told before he went there, God says, I've commanded the widow there to, to sustain you. When he got to the widow's house, he says to her, ma'am, <clears throat> can you get me some water, please? She went to get him water. On the way, he says, oh, by the way, can you make me a cake and bring it for me, please? And she says, my Lord, I don't have a cake. All I have is this little meal. <clears throat> my son and I are going to eat it. We're going to die. And he said, make me first a cake. And thus saith the Lord that you will not run out of food. Now, think about, think about it. Just, again, picture this. <clears throat> You've got someone who's been living by the brook. He's got plenty of water. Birds brought him food every day. They read it earlier on in the chapter. Ravens, birds, birds would bring him food every day. He would eat meat. <clears throat> now God tells him, move on now. This widow is going to sustain you. Now, he goes to this woman, and the prophet probably doesn't look lean. And this woman now has got one last, not even a whole food meal. And he says to her, your son is dying, he's hungry. He says to her, feed me first. Feed me, reality check. Reality check. How many of us would say, all right, man of God, you eat. Don't worry about my child who's starving. He takes the cake, he eats the cake, and he says, go back and get more. For thus saith the Lord, the meal shall not run out. 
You know what God wanted to do? He didn't send a prophet there because he's hungry. He sent him there because he wanted to give the woman a miracle. What did he need from her to give her a miracle? An act of faith. She had to give sacrificially. That was sacrificial. Would you agree that's sacrificial? Not knowing after the man ate it, what's going to happen? On a word, a word from God, give it to me, I'm going to eat it. When I finish, you can go back, the meal's not going to run out. How many know a lot of people struggle with that word right there? But he, she did something she probably never done before, never seen it before. But one word from God can change your life. God did not send the man, the prophet, there because he's hungry. He sent him there to give that woman a miracle. Same as in John chapter 6, when the little boy came with two fish and six loaves of bread. And the disciple says, this is all he has. <clears throat> Jesus took it and multiplied it and fed 5,000 people. At the end, there's 11 baskets left. He says, gather the fragments. Tells me, Jesus, don't waste. And those fragments, I'll guarantee you, went back to the boy's home. Whose fish was it? The boys. And what he did was took a seed. Every miracle you're going to get requires a seed. Whether it be an act of faith, whatever it be, it requires a seed. Because God will move when you show faith in him. So what are you facing today? If you're lonely, <clears throat> he tells you, if you want friends, you must do what? Isn't that simple? It's the same thing. Do unto others. Some of you in church, people in church are so unfriendly. No, ma'am, no, sir. No, ma'am, no, sir. You are the unfriendly one. Because if you were not unfriendly, you would have lots of people being friends with you. But <clears throat> some of you, you come into church, you, you have a, a um, what do you call it? You have something around you. It's an invisible shield, force field, Star Wars style. You walk into the church, and you're walking, and there's, there's lights flashing, say, stay away from me. Don't talk to me. Stay away from me. You know where the signals are coming from? Huh? Right here. Your face says, don't talk to me. I'm not in the mood to talk to anybody. You look like lemon juice is your face wash. If you want friends, you must do what? How do you show yourself friendly? Yeah, look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Give them a smile. Some of you are scared to look to the left and then back to the right. <laughs> so, do you trust the word? I promise you, God has never lost the battle. And not one word of God has ever fallen to the ground. You may not come to pass in your life because you backed off. But the promises of God are yea and amen. Every time we've believed God for anything, God has always given us better. Always, always given us better. Thank you for listening to this message. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us at v2bcommunitychurch.com or you can contact us at v2bchurch at aol.co.uk. God bless you.